chapter 3, verses 24 through 26. Let's go ahead and read. I'm going to start in verse 21, and I'll read to verse 26. Whenever you're there, say amen. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus. Uh, is there a ring in here? Keep hearing a ring. Yeah. Is it ringing on your ears again? I don't know. I can't hear. Yeah, it yeah, is. I, that, I heard a ring. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's your man. Your ears are ringing. <laughs> Romans chapter three, verses twenty-four through twenty-six. So remember, we've looked at verse twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three already. Remember, the heading of this paragraph is the introduction to justification by faith. Verses twenty-one through thirty-one. By the way, Sarah's going to take the place of my dad tonight in the reading, so she'll read, and then I'll talk about that scripture. Okay, verse 24. Uh, go ahead, Sarah. Being justified freely by His grace. So being justified freely by His grace. Let's look at that. That word justified. This speaks of justification by faith, which means that one is justified in the eyes of God, meaning that he is declared by God not guilty. Justification declares you innocent and also righteous. It is a legal work. We have been declared justified by God. When you placed your faith in Christ, God declared you as justified. He declared you as not guilty. Of anything. You are totally innocent. That is justification. That's why I say it's really important that we understand justification and how we how we got the justification, how God made justified us basically. We got we got that verdict, because it's a verdict. We got it through faith in Christ. That's how you were justified. You became not guilty in the eyes of God. By place by faith in Christ and what he did at the cross, not by works. It's important to remember that we have justification by faith, what it means, uh, and how we got it. Because through the sanctification process, you're going to find ups and downs, ups and downs. And if you don't understand justification and what you have in Christ, then in the sanctification process, when you fail, you will fail. We all fail. When you fail, justification is there. Justification is the way when you bust your face, you can get back up and say, we'll keep going. 
We'll keep walking this walk of faith. I failed. Lord, I know I failed. What I did was wrong. I failed. I know that. Forgive me. And we can keep going because my position in Christ has not changed. Though I failed, my position in Christ hasn't changed. And that's important. If you don't know that, then you're going to be living a roller coaster life. You'll think God loves you when you at one moment and the next moment you, you'll think he, he just despises you. Exactly. <laughs> God just totally hates me. I failed. I failed God. I failed God. And now that I've failed God, he is just waiting to drop the hammer on me. But God looks at us by our faith, not by what we do. Man looks at you by what you do or don't do. God looks at you by what your faith is in. If your faith is in Christ, and the, it was one of the greatest things that I experienced in my Christian walk was when I was in Bible college and I, I was failing. Love, love the Lord with all my heart and busted my face. And I knew it was I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew it was wrong. And I didn't. I, I was like, man, I just I know this is wrong. I don't know why I keep doing it. Lord. I just want to, and I, the words I said, Lord, I just want to please you because I was taught that what I was, that my actions aren't pleasing to God and they're not. But I was never taught how God viewed me. And I was like, Lord, I just want to please you. And the very thing that God told me in my broken state was, I'm pleased with you because you believe in Christ. I'm pleased with you because your faith is in what Christ has done for you at the cross. Now, I'm already broken because I'm, I, I'm failing. But when the Lord spoke those words to me, it not only broke me even more, but it actually mended me right back together. Rest, it restored me immediately. Bang! What he said was, I'm pleased with you because your faith is right. If your faith is right, God's pleased with you. Your actions, if, you, if you're going to be, if your attempt is to be pleasing to God by your actions, you're going to get it right sometimes and you're going to get it wrong most of the time. And we don't want to admit that, but it's the truth. We get it wrong most of the time when we get it right. It seems like every once in a blue moon. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I feel. I mean, I, that's how I feel sometimes. Like, hey, I get it right like, you know, one time out of every, you know, 365 days. <laughs> But if what scripture says in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God without faith. See, faith is what pleases God. And when he spoke that to me in my heart and my spirit, I just, I melted and broke. And at the same time, it healed me all just like that. Bang. And the tears, I still was crying, but it was different kind of tears now. These were tears of joy. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You see, just like that, 
my focus went from me to what Christ did for me. Just like that. And when my focus went to what Christ did for me, then all of a sudden in myself, I found, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I love you. I worship you and praise you. But before, when my, when my eyes were on myself and my performance and how really I was blowing it, the only thing I experienced was condemnation. On the inside, that's what I was feeling. Like, God's not pleased with me now. Oh, man, he's upset with me. If I keep doing this, he's going to drop the hammer on me. That was all going through me. And in an instant, one word from the Lord, just one word. I'm pleased with you. Oh, your, fa your faith is what pleases me. That, that that weight, that weight of sin, whew, lifted immediately, bang. And then there was that breeze on the inside and the moving of the Holy Spirit that said, oh yeah. Oh, now, now, that, now we can work with that. And then it was crying to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, thank you for what you did. That That's the gospel. Amen. That's the gospel. Hmm. Yes. Even in the word it says, just if I. Just, yeah. And that's how you spell it. Just if I never. Never sinned. Sin. Just, just, yeah, just, just as if yeah. I've never sinned. That's, that's how you spell it. Just if I. Justified, never messed up, not one time. That's right. We cannot base our relationship with God off of our performance and what we do or don't do. Our relationship with God is based only on what Christ has done and that we believe it. You have access to the throne room of grace 24-7 because of Christ, not because of yourself. I thought, well, if I failed, I can't go to God. If what? Well, dang, I just blew it. Now I've got to do something before I can, before God will accept me. That's a total lie. You're accepted. What scripture says, you're accepted in the beloved. That's Christ. Because of what Christ did, you have 24 hour access. 24 seven. You can enter into his presence no matter where you are. Even if you just blew it royally, you can enter into his presence. Now, this is an extreme, but if you happen to just blow it and you've killed somebody, but your faith is in Christ, you killed somebody and thanks Lord, forgive me. That's not right. You have access to the throne of God at that moment. Right then, you can feel his presence because you don't have access because of you. You have access because of what Christ did. I didn't kill anybody while I was in Bible college or ever, thankfully. <laughs> but when I was in Bible college, I blew it. Look, I blew it a lot. Y'all are going to find out. I blew it a lot. <laughs> in Bible college, I blew it. And I said, Lord, I'm coming to you because of what Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit just pressed that. No, you come now. You come, you can enter in boldly to the throne room of grace because of what Jesus did. You're accepted. And I entered into his presence right away. And guess what? Guess what happened to that weight of sin? Gone. Just like that. Okay, so the next uh, the next word that we're going to look at is that word freely. 
In the Greek, I think it's Doreen, it means gratuitously or without just cause. God requires no price of any nature from the sinner respecting this great gift of salvation. It is free of charge. Any pavement presented by the sinner not only isn't accepted, but nullifies that which God freely gives. You cannot attempt to justify yourself by your own good works. What happens is we get this great gift of salvation by God, and then we attempt to, in a sense, pay God back through, most of the time, through what we do. Well, because he saved me, I'm going to... Well, God saved me, so now I'm going to... And we don't... We never admit to it, but we, we, we in a way, we're trying to earn. And it, it, Scripture says it's as filthy rags. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. Even your best is filthy rags. Sad to say, though, you know, we're kind of taught that you have to do something, you know. And all churches, or none, I think they yeah. all... In one way or another, make you feel like you have to do something to rectify if you've done wrong. Right. Yeah, some type of penance yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 And that's, it's not scriptural. It's not scriptural. In, in scripture, what you'll see in scripture, our part to play as believers, our part to play our whole time is faith. That's, that's our part to play. Do you know why that's, that's our part to play? Because we can't do anything else. The only thing that we are as human beings good at, and scripture bears this out, is destroying things. <laughs> we're really good at just messing it up. We're good at corrupting something. We're good at messing it up. We're good at doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. I mean, we're just good for that. So... In order for God's plan of salvation to work, he had to eliminate us. He had to move us out of the way yeah. or else we'd mess it up because yeah. that's what we do. We mess up everything. Give us something good. We'll mess it up. We'll find a way to mess it up. Eventually, we'll mess it up. Yeah. So he had to eliminate us. So he made he made a way of salvation, a way of sanctification. His whole plan involves us out of the way and the only thing that we do is the one thing that we can do without messing it up and that's believe that's the only thing that's our part to play through the whole process from justification to sanctification to glorification our part as believers our part to play is faith that's it that's it if anybody tells you anything else you can throw that out our part to play is faith there's nothing I can do to sanctify myself. God just simply says, believe what I've done. Believe what I've provided. I'll take care of the rest. It, that, that word, the, one of the names of God is Jehovah Makadesh. And it means Jehovah who sanctifies. It doesn't say you who sanctify. It says Jehovah who sanctifies. It means I'll do it. I, he, he's going to do it. He's the one that sanctifies. You're just simply the clay. He's the potter. All you need to do is be the clay and trust the potter. But we, as the clay, 
We attempt to make ourselves into something. But we're just clay. He's the potter. It's his job to mold us. It's his job to make us. It's his job to take out what doesn't belong and add in what does. Not our job. We just simply believe and surrender. Hey, my position in Christ, I'll focus on that and he'll take care of the rest. <laughs> okay, the next word is grace. You see the Greek word on your handout? And it means a favor done out of the spontaneous uh, generosity of the heart without any expectation of return. Also, unmerited favor. God did this not for his friends, for we were his enemies. When he sent his son to die on the cross, he did not do it for his friends. We were his enemies when he did it. See, that's real grace. Now, now you see the difference between our love and God's love. I'll just be honest. For me to, to for me to try to go and love my neighbor with God kind of love is foolish. What it what scripture shows me is that I'm so far below. <laughs> he did it for his enemies. And I'm and I'm gonna go attempt to show that kind of that's a different kind. I ain't got I don't have that. I, I, I don't I'm sorry. It ain't there. <laughs> I'm bankrupt when it comes to that kind of love. I need, I need that given to me and my, I need that imputed to me because I don't have it. And there's only one way for me to even get it. And it's not by doing, it's by believing in what Christ has done for me. See, what will happen is whenever I'm so focused on what Christ has done for me. Someone wrongs me and it's like I don't even notice it because I'm so consumed about how much grace he's shown in my life. Yeah. That whatever they just did is like water on a duck's back. But if I'm not focused on what he's done for me, then when the wrong comes, you're going to see you're going to see me react. You're going to see flesh. <laughs> if I'm not focused on, if I'm not focused on what Christ did for me and just totally wrapped up and consumed with that. And brother Danny shoots my dog. I'm going to react. It's going to be me. I'm going to react. Brother Danny. No, I love him though. I'm going to love him, but it'll just be an outward, it will just be an outward surface love, but in the heart, I despise him. See, you can fool man. You can fool man. Oh, that's the love of Jesus. Uh, no. God sees your heart. And he'll look at that and say, I don't think so. On the outward, you might have shown love, but on in your heart, you murdered that man. See, God sees the heart. This is why outward actions, you can throw that, you can fool whoever you want with that. God's looking directly at your heart. And you had that feeling and you didn't show it on the outside, but God didn't worry about what you showed on the outside. He's saying, no, I saw that. I saw that reaction in your heart. See, now we get into the gospel. Yeah. See, I saw that in your heart. 
Tanner killed your dog, and you wanted to kill him. You, but yet, on the outward, I said, oh, don't worry about it, Brother Danny. I, that dog was dumb anyway. You know what? I love you, Brother Danny. See, on the outward, and, and I could fool people. People can fool you. I, let's, I mean, come, let's be real. That's the biggest part. That's one of the things that happened because of the fall. How many people? Men are deceitful. Women too. Women too. <laughs> Everybody is deceitful. Yeah. Dece people will deceive you. And all they're doing is just covering up what's in their heart with religious fig leaves. And that's what it would be. And on the outside, it would fool Brother Danny and everybody else. And God's saying, uh-uh. You just committed murder in your heart. But if I'm focused on what Christ has done for me, man, you know what? I've done so many wrong things and he has forgiven me of every single thing. And Brother Danny shoots my dog. I might still feel sad about that dog dying, but in my heart, I didn't kill Brother Danny. You know what, Brother Danny? God's forgiven me of more than a dead dog. Don't forget, it's under the blood. It's just a dog. See the difference? That's a heart. That's a heart thing. When it's truly from the heart, that's what. That's when God says, "Now you got it." See that? That throws out. <laughs> that's true about all. That's all of us, though. Let's be real. I mean. That's all of us. We can be real. That's all of us. Man, it don't take much for me to be. How do you handle two guys living together next door to you? See, you need the grace of God. You need the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit. You need that in your life. You need it. You have to look at him. God forgave you. He loves them. Right. It's the sin he doesn't like, but he loves them. You can, now a lot of people will tell you, oh no, that's not the love of God. Yeah, the love of God is not tolerance. So the love of God is not tolerance. And if you, if you separate the love of God from the cross, then that's what you'll get, tolerance. If, if the love of God, if you say, well, this is the love of God, but it's always connected through the cross, then you'll say God love God loves you, but that sin is wrong, and that's it. Because sin is so serious that Christ, God Himself, had to actually die for it. See, that's serious. It's not a light thing. It's not a little thing. God didn't just pass over sin. It was judged. We need the grace of God. It's it's not an option. It's not, an, it's not like, well, I'll be okay today. No, you won't. You, you need it every day. This is why you need a prayer life. You need a prayer. If you, if you, you need a prayer life. Prayer is meant to strengthen your faith. Prayer is not meant for righteousness, but it's meant to strengthen your faith. It's a tool that God has given to strengthen our faith. So is reading and studying the word of God. That's meant to strengthen your faith. Now, it will, it will only strengthen your faith if you interpret the word through the lens of the cross. And if your prayer is a cross-centered prayer, if your prayer is not a cross-centered prayer, then you, you're not going to.
help your faith. There's a lot of people that pray, but it's not a cross-centered prayer. Pharisees in the Old Testament, the Pharisees prayed daily. And yet in Scripture, whenever Christ told the story of the Pharisee and the publican, the Pharisee just prayed to himself, basically. He wasn't praying to God. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. You ain't praying to God. You're praying to yourself. So there's a lot of people that pray. That's why just simply prayer isn't, uh, it's prayer in the right, prayer with the right object of faith makes it powerful. Studying and reading the Word of God with the right object of faith makes this Word powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Piercing. You see, but if it's not, it's just a dead letter. It's just a dead letter. And the things, uh, there, the, if you don't have, if you're not looking through the, the lens of the cross, you can read it and think you saw something and it's wrong. But you'll think, there are so many things that I thought, oh man, that's a revelation from the Lord. And then I learned the cross and I was like, that was straight up false doctrine. That was false doctrine. Because you don't interpret the word correctly. That's what happened with Israel. They interpreted the word through the lens of law. And not through the lens of the cross. And they, it was, it's talked about as a veil. Even to this day when they read it, that veil is there. They don't see what's there. It talked about it talked about that it is a, a mystery that it was hidden until Paul and God revealed it to Paul. What God revealed was the cross of Christ and what it all meant. That's what He revealed to Paul. And the church hadn't taught that or preached that in years. Years, years, I mean years. In all reality, there's hint to it in Scripture that Paul said that when I die, get ready. It's going to change. And it has. Totally, totally, totally. I'll be honest. It's the keeping power of God that the church is even. It's gotten so far away. It's gotten so far away from what Paul taught that it's the grace and mercy of God. I thought about what my dad preached this morning and one of the things that the Lord brought me to because really that passage is the context of that passage was Israel. Um, Israel rejected their Messiah, Jesus. They were invited and they rejected Christ. So... He said, go into the highways and the byways and bring in, compel those to come. Well, who do you think that was? Gentiles. Gentiles. Us. <laughs> that was us because Israel rejected their Messiah. They were invited. They rejected. You can look at all the other parables surrounding that, all the other stories Christ told surrounding that, the context of that. He talked about when you take a seat that's higher, Israel did the exact thing. Israel sat in the highest seat and they were brought low. And the Gentiles were brought up. 
the, the church is mostly Gentile. So you see that, and then you see the the story that he told, and then after that he said, if any man desire to be my disciple, he must deny himself. Take up the cross, take it, follow after me. So that was the kind of the whole context of what was happening there. The position that we have now it is unreal. Uh, we want to talk about grace. We don't deserve anything. Especially Gentiles. But yet, we've been given a higher seat. The church is the bride of Christ. From my knowledge, we're the bride of, of Christ. You've been given us a position in the seat that never belonged to us, that's for sure. Because of those that were originally invited, rejected. That's praise God. <laughs> well, one of the things that this, the, this where I was going, the scripture that the Lord reminded me of this morning was it, it's actually in Romans, I think. Well, maybe not. It's somewhere. <laughs> Paul said it. <laughs> he said that if the natural branch was cut off, how much more? The unnatural branch who's been grafted in be cut off. Right? And as the church, it's a miracle that we haven't been cut off yet. Uh, it's amazing to me. And I think the only reason is because God knew that a reformation, he was going to send another reformation to the church and it's the message of the cross. It is the ref, it is a, we are right now you are in the middle of a church reformation. We look back at the reformation with Martin Luther and we're like, man, praise God. You're in the middle of one right now. The message of the cross is the ref is another reformation for the church. Justification by faith came with Martin Luther and the message of the cross is sanctification by faith. Uh, okay, the ne uh, go ahead. So here's the next. Redemption Christ Jesus. Uh, that word redemption, uh, you see the Greek word on your uh, handout, it, it means to redeem by paying the price. There are three Greek words that explain the word redeem. We're going to go over those. The first one, as you can see it, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce these, uh, agorazo. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Uh, agorazo, and that means to buy in the slave market. Uh, I think on the handout you have the scriptures that it, that you can see. Okay, First um, Corinthians chapter six verse twenty, then chapter seven verse twenty-three, then Second Peter chapter two verse one. You can look at those on your own. That the, that Greek word there is agorazo, and it means to buy in the slave market. Christ bought us in the slave market of sin by His own blood. The second word is uh, ex, ex, agorazo. Well, I'm getting it. I didn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> to buy out of the slave market. To buy out of the slave market. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, and chapter 4, verse 5. The believer is never to be put up for sale in any slave market again. 
You have been bought and you will not be put up for sale again. You have been redeemed by the blood, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but the blood of Christ himself. You have been redeemed. And the next word is going to make it even stronger. So if you add all three of these words together, you get the idea of redemption. The third word is true. To set free by paying a price. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18. The believer is set free from sin and free to live a life pleasing to God in the power of the Holy Spirit. The price paid by Jesus was of such magnitude that no one will ever be able to say that the price paid was insufficient. The blood of Jesus Christ is the, in a sense, the most valuable thing ever. And the price that was paid for your redemption was the most valuable, much more than silver or gold. That's the price that was paid. The highest price that could be paid is what was paid for you. And no one can say that the price wasn't high enough or that it wasn't enough. It was far beyond. If you, you may have been worth $15 and God paid about $100 billion for you. And no one can say, well, that wasn't enough. Uh, Sarah already read uh, that is in Christ Jesus. All salvation is in Christ. Amen. Amen. In Christ. All salvation is in Christ. It's amazing the finality of that. You know what I'm saying? Nothing can be reversed. You know, it is final. That's it. It can never be changed no matter what man tries to do, no matter what the enemy tries to do, it is a done deal that can never be reversed. Yeah. And God is the only one that has the key to it. Yeah. And as long as He holds the key, it can never change. Yeah. The only thing the only thing that you can do is forfeit it. Yeah. Right. That's right. By walking away. Right. By not believing. Right. You stop believing and you'll forfeit. Yeah. But as long as you keep believing, yeah. if you just keep believing, doesn't matter how many times you fail. Doesn't matter how many times you do it wrong, how many times you bust your face, you blow it, you bite off a big piece of stupid, you do the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. It doesn't matter how many times you blow it. If you keep believing, then when the trump of God sounds, you will have a glorified body. That's good news because I find that I fail and I blow it and I do the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person and I never do the right thing it seems. I'm always doing the wrong thing. Daily I sin whether I know it or I don't know it. And yet he says, don't worry, I've made provision. If you keep believing, then you're going to make it. Because I'm, I have accepted you in the beloved. In Christ is why you'll make it. You stay in Christ and you'll make it. And you got in by faith. And you stay in by faith. You blow it. Get up. Ask for forgiveness. Dust yourself off. 
The blood of Jesus Christ is enough. You have been redeemed. You belong to God. And He, no matter how many times you fail, He will not put you up for sale again. No matter how many times, I'm sorry that I yelled. <laughs> Get excited. No matter how many times you fail, He won't put you up for sale again. That's what the, that's what Latrue says about redemption. He will not put you up for sale again, ever. You won't go up back up for sale. I'm sorry, that's not Latrue. That's the other one. He won't put you back up for sale ever. Don't care. Man will put you up for sale real quick. But God says, oh, no, no, you belong to me. Last time I checked, I put you in my flock. And unless I change my mind, you'll still be my sheep. Mm. Good news, because I'm a dumb, dumb sheep. Yes. Who goes the wrong way, who leaves the path that he's chosen. I leave it over and over again. He comes, and no matter how many times he has to break my leg, he says, I'm not going to sell you. I'm not putting you up for sale. If you won't quit, he won't quit. If you keep believing, then he'll keep working. No matter how long it takes, he's going to change you. No matter how long it takes, he'll mold the clay into what he wants. You just keep doing your part. And our part is faith. We serve a good God. Amen? He is a good God. My Lord, I'm thankful that we are redeemed. You are redeemed today. You're redeemed. He, paid, he bought you and He won't put you back up for sale. Amen? Mm. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Never to be put up for sale ever again. Glory to God. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for what you have done for us, Lord. We worship you and praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Mm. Okay, verse 25. <laughs> Go ahead, Sarah. This refers to the atoning process which was carried out at the cross of Calvary, which satisfied the righteousness of a holy God. That word, uh, I say that word, is not, I guess it, in the Greek, I think it's one word, but in our English uh, language, it's two words, set forth. Uh, you'll see the Greek word, definitely not going to try to say that one. <laughs> and it means to set forth, to be looked at, exposed to public view. All that God did in order to bring salvation to mankind through His Son, Jesus Christ, was done completely in the open with nothing kept secret, all in full view. Everything that Christ did for us, the atoning process was all done in full view. Everyone could see the cross. Everyone could see Christ. 
It was done in full view, nothing in secret. He, he tore down and defeated the kingdom of darkness in open view at the cross of Calvary. In Colossians, uh, in, I'm just going to flip there. In Colossians chapter 2, if I get there real quick here, not so quick here. <laughs> I love Colossians. Uh, it's one of my one of my uh, one of my favorite books, actually. Okay, here we go. We'll just read verse fourteen and fifteen. I think it's in fifteen. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinance ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Having and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. He brought down the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, right there at the cross in open view of everyone. We didn't know what was happening, but God knew the whole time what was happening, and Satan knew as well. That's why he tried everything he could to get Christ not to go to the cross. Because that was his end. That was his end. In scripture, in the book of Esther, if you haven't read the book of Esther, I encourage you to do that. In the book of Esther, Haman is a type of Satan. Now, if you remember, in that day, they called it, uh, in, in, uh, I think it was impa impalement. Yes. Impaling. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, that was crucifixion. Yes. Uh, it it might have been a little different from the Roman idea of crucifixion or what we think of now, you know, with the cross. And, you know, but it, it was still crucifixion. Haman built the gallows for Mordecai. Haman is a type of Satan. And the thing that Haman, Satan, built to use, God turned it around and used that very thing to kill Haman, Satan. The cross. God turned, turned it around. See, the cross is one of the most evil forms of human torture you can imagine. And God, in His wisdom, knowledge, He turned it around. See, now you're starting to get the idea behind that scripture. What Satan meant for evil. You see now? See, we use that in the wrong way, even in our own personal lives. Oh, no, well, the Lord's going to use it. The Lord might be using that for your sanctification. <laughs> but the cross, he turned it around. Yes. See, Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Another scripture that missed, the idea is missed if you don't see it through the lens of the cross. God exceedingly abundantly beyond well you could ever well you could ever ask her faith. Well guess what that was? The cross. That was exceedingly abundantly beyond anything that you could ever ask or think.
What he used, see, God just, just going to turn it around. The cross, we're just going to turn that around. If he can turn around the cross and use it for man's salvation and for good, then you, you, you think that that little thing in your life, that nothing compared to a cross. He'll just turn that thing right around in his time. Turn it right around. Anyway, it was exposed to an open, it was just boom, right there. And it was not done in secret. Religion does stuff in secret. God does not. The only thing that God does in secret it's in your own personal life when he doesn't let everybody else. He doesn't allow everyone else in the world to see the buffet of sin that you got. That's the only thing God does in secret. Because he loves you. Once again, amen. Thank y'all. Okay. All that God did in order to bring salvation to mankind through his son, Jesus Christ, was done completely in the open with nothing kept secret, all in full view. I already read that. Okay, the word propitiate. Yes. Um, you see the Greek word there, and it is an atonement or reconciliation. It, ref it refers to the act of getting rid of sin which has come between God and man. In its strict form, it referred to the golden cover on the Ark of the Covenant called the Mercy Seat. In the Ark below this cover were the tablets of stone upon which were written the Ten Commandments, which Israel had violated and all men violate. When the sacrificial blood was sprinkled on this cover, it ceased to be a place of judgment and became a place of mercy. Before the blood was applied, the cherubim at either end of the ark were looking down on the mercy seat, in effect, seeing the broken law. The stone tablets in the ark. Remember Moses cast them down and they broke. However, when the blood was applied, its presence shielded the broken law, which is what happened when Jesus died on the cross. His shed blood covers all sin and actually washes it away. Consequently, the blood of Jesus satisfied the just requirements of God's holy law, which mankind broke. That's why when God looks at you, you're in Christ. He doesn't see the broken law. You are justified just as if you never broke the law. Justified. The blood would cover, would be sprinkled on the mercy seat and when that happened, the cherubims would be looking down and instead of seeing the broken law, they would see the blood. Now you kind of get the idea. Go ahead, Sarah. Jesus is the satisfaction for our sins. The benefits of his sacrifice are only available to a person when he or she places their faith in the uh, efficacy 
of the blood which was shed. If you don't know what the blood of Jesus Christ did for you, then you're going to live your life according to that. But if you know, then you should live your life according to that. If I know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all sin for me, then I should live my life according to that. Sarah. It is his righteousness to which God looks and counts it sufficient for all people, for all sins, for all time. It is the only righteousness which God will accept. Man continues to put on display his own righteousness, which God will never accept. The moment any type of supposed righteousness is presented, God not only refuses to accept it, but as well withdraws the righteousness of Christ, leaving the sinner with nothing. Uh, that phrase, that are past, refers to all those who trusted Christ before he actually came. This covers the entirety of the time from the Garden of Eden to the moment Jesus died on Calvary's cross. Uh, before he came, men were saved by looking forward to Calvary, as they are saved now by looking backward to Calvary. Calvary is the focal point. They looked forward to the cross. We look backwards to the cross. Now, if God set it up in such a way that the cross of Christ, that they looked forward and we looked backwards, then why wouldn't his word be the same? That the cross would be, if that was the focal point, the focal point was the cross in time, then wouldn't the focal point in scripture be the cross? But yet, most of the time when people read scripture, the focal point is not the cross of Christ. Uh, that word remission has two meanings in the Greek text with two Greek words. This is on your handout, I'm pretty sure. Uh, the first, don't know how to say that. <laughs> it means, <laughs> means literally to put off or put away. Uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. Uh, the second word, uh, you see it there on your handout, is passing over. Over. <laughs> passing over or letting pass. The idea is that all the sins of all pre-Calvary believers were passed over. With the future intent of remitting them entirely. When Jesus came and paid the price. See all those sins. They weren't just for God. God knew that they'd be paid for. At the cross. So it seemed like. Well they were just getting away. No, 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 no. No man ever. From the beginning to the end. Will ever just get away with sin. It will be judged. It just matters. If you have faith in Christ. Then it's judged at the cross. If not. 
then you'll ju you'll be judged for that. That's why Jesus had to go down and preach to them to let them know who that he was. The that he was the Messiah. And right. believe in him, you know, he had captivity captive. Yep. Uh, okay. Sarah. This refers to all sins committed by the people of God prior to and up to the one great sacrifice of Calvary. All these were put aside by God in his forbearance and then judged there. And all sins committed since Calvary were equally judged there. Forbearance, uh, you'll see the Greek word there in your handout, is tolerance. God tolerated the situation before Calvary, knowing the debt would be fully paid at that time. Uh, I'm going to present, I'll present this thought with you. I actually didn't see it. I listened to a podcast from a minister uh, in Texas, uh, Brother Curtis Hutchinson. He said this, and I never saw it before, so praise God whenever he said it and I saw it. <laughs> That in Egypt, if you go back to the story in Egypt, there was a death in every home. We know that in the Egyptian home, the death was the firstborn child. But there was still a death in every home, even in Goshen. There was going to be a death. Each home, one would die in every home. Somebody was going to die. There was going to be a death in every single home. The reason that there was no death of a person in Goshen was because the lamb became the substitute. There was no substitute in Egypt. Therefore, the firstborn died. But there was a death in every single home. For us, as it, the same concept, salvation. For us believers, there's a death. See, because there has to be a death because of sin. The difference is you have a substitute. And you said yes to that substitute. And that substitute was Jesus Christ. He took the death. If you don't accept Christ, then you don't have a substitute. And you'll stand on your own and you'll suffer the death. That there's always a death. Jesus took yours. Now I didn't see that. In the story. In Egypt. I'll be honest. Didn't see that. I just saw. Amen. Praise God. He was applied to the doorpost. And he passed over. But there was a death. There was a death. There was still a death. See there's. Sin will always cause a death. Just Christ took that death for you. He took your death and gave you his life. That's the gospel. Yeah. The acronym for blood brings life on our dead. Can you say it again? Blood, the LOD, brings life on our dead. When we die to self, die, the blood of Christ covers us, brings life to us. This blood yes. brings life yes. to our dead. Yes. He is the great substitute. He is the great substitute. 
to declare our state at this time his righteousness. This refers to God's righteousness, which at all times must be satisfied. It can, it can only be found in Christ. Go ahead, Sarah. This presents the question of how can God be just or maintain his justness while at the same time being the justifier of a sinner? How can God remain holy, just, righteous, but yet make a sinner innocent? Can, can pass the verdict that you're innocent. How can, how can that be? That's kind of the idea. The answer is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He judged Christ as a sinner on the cross, even though He was not a sinner. Jesus became a sin offering, taking the penalty of sin that's our sin, which only a sinner deserved and not him. Jesus didn't deserve to die. He didn't break the law. The curse of the law is death. But Jesus didn't break the law. So he didn't deserve death. I deserve death. You deserve death. Every person that's ever lived on the face of the earth besides Jesus Christ Deserves death. He took your place. He is your substitute if you'll accept it and believe. He's your substitute. But sin is always judged. It's just where it's going to be judged. Either on Christ and what he did is judged there. Or you'll receive the penalty. Christ took, this is, uh, always touches me every time. Christ took the blows we should have taken and suffered the penalty of the curse which we should have suffered. Consequently, the righteousness of God was satisfied. All the blows that he received, those were meant for you. Those were for you. For all the sins you committed. See, we've got to make it personal. For all the sins you committed, the blows that he took were for your sins. He took my blows that I wouldn't have to. You see how foolish it is for another man to demand, I'm, I'm talking about believers especially, to demand that someone pay for a mistake, a sin. Of a... You see how foolish that is? You didn't even pay for your own. Christ took your blows, but yet you demand that a brother or a sister receive blows. But yet, I didn't even take my own, Brittany. Really, you could say insult. 
to God, yeah. they're saying, your son's foot wasn't enough for this person to sin. Yeah. And obviously by his resurrection, it must, it must have been enough. Right. So that's something that we should definitely be really careful about because yeah. God doesn't take his son's death being insulted by him. Right. It, it, the resurrection is the proof and the evidence that all sin was atoned for. If it wasn't, he couldn't have resurrected from the dead. So it is the evidence that the price paid was enough. And for you, that's exact. It is just like what Brittany said. It is an attack on the cross. We don't see it that way a lot of times. I'll just be honest. We don't see it that way. But it is an attack on the cross of Christ because what it says, just like Brittany said, that the blood that the price that Christ paid is not enough for their sin. For their failure, it's not enough. They need to take the blows for that. Now, either Christ takes it or you take it. So if you demand that they take the blows, then then you say that Christ, what Christ did wasn't enough. And therefore, what that also means is that you take your blows now. Now you'll see, now you see the, see that, see that, uh, that story, the parable, I think it's a parable, of the servant who owes the master so much. And then the master cleans it. And then he goes and demands He demands that someone else pay, and it was minor. It was minor. And somebody and he threw him into prison. And then that was reported to the master. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna throw you in, and you won't come out until every single one's paid, but he can never pay it. See, he can never pay it. Now now we look at the Lord's Prayer. And it says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lord, you forgave. This how I, This is how I, I pray it. Lord, you forgave me my great debt. I, I owed a great debt to you and I couldn't pay it and you paid it for me. You have forgiven all of my trespasses, all of my sins, my debts. You took the blows. You forgave. Help me to forgive my brother the one or two or three or four or five or six. It doesn't matter because the amount that he forgave me is far greater than anyone could ever wrong me. That's why you need to say, you know, you, you forgive 70 times, you know. Yeah, yeah, because Peter thought, well, we're doing something good, you know, seven times. You know, that's a lot, you know. Five, seven, that's a lot of grace. <laughs> And God, and Jesus said 70 times. 70 times. Like, because of this, God could freely be the justifier of sinners and not call into question his righteousness. The demands of the broken law were satisfied. Sin was paid for, not condoned. Sin will never be, it's not condoned. It's been paid for. It's been paid for. Sin, the other day I was thinking about sin. Sin's more like a debt. It was a debt that we owed. 
and we couldn't pay, so it was pay, it was paid for us. It, it's not it's not that the debt it's not that the debt just got totally done away with. It was actually paid. I just didn't pay it. Sin is not condoned. Your sin is not condoned. It's paid for. But it was paid for at the cross by Jesus. And the sin that you committed today and the sin that you, you, you may commit at the end of next week and the sin that you're going to commit in 10 years, 15, 20 years from now, if we're still here, is paid for already. At the cross, all you have to do is confess. First John, you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, it's already been paid for. Christ paid for it. Amen? Amen. That is... Boom! Look at that. Three verses. Well, we're moving. Oh, that's it.